Okay, in the center column, next to the word repentance, center column next to the word repentance, you're going to write the word change. Repentance is about change. Change, center column next to the word repentance, you're going to write the word change. Next to enlightenment, you're going to write the word learning, learning, change, learning. Number three, Participation ministry, you're going to use the word practice. Practice. We believe in creating an environment where it's okay to fail, but you have to try. It's not acceptable to not try. Right? Okay. Number four, development of leadership. Write the word deeper change. Deeper, like deep. Deep. Been wide. You know that song? Okay. All right. Number five. Deeper. Do I need to spell that for the attorney? No. Number five is two words. Isolation. Isolation. And testing. Isolation and testing. To get to that fifth stage you will feel some isolation. You will be tested. Number six, you're going to write the word how to lead. It's three words, how to lead. In responsibility of leadership, it is learning how to lead. And then under world vision, you're going to put the word lifestyle. Lifestyle. God's supreme goal? First phase? Remember, if you start with Old Testament, and what God does is he shows you through types and models and so forth. Second stage is what? Good. We have a reader among us. Number three, phase three is what? The Great Commission is to do three things. Number one, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Be fruitful is what? Multiply. Missions. Okay, got it. So those are three things. All right, let's open our book to page one, lesson one, salvation and eternal security. We will uh, weave in philosophy of discipleship all the way through every lesson so that you, you we want you to get that. Uh, by next time, you should have 2 Timothy 2.2 memorized. You should also be uh, really, uh, com- you should complete lessons uh uh, what is it, one through three, I believe. You should ha- have that done by next week. Shouldn't be a problem. It really, um, read all the scriptures. Don't just read through it. It says it right here, baby. Right here. You know, it's actually, there's a syllabus. If you don't, how many of you have the syllabus? How many of you don't have the syllabus? Do we have those? Okay, we'll get you a syllabus. It's got the reading schedule on it. Okay, salvation. Here's Here's, when you operate in this book, and it tells you this. Go to page three for a minute. Just flip over. I'm going to show you one thing. 
In every lesson, there's one of these arrows. You see it at the top of page three? That's the key thought that we want you to know in that lesson. When you're discipling someone, what you do is you turn there and you want to establish this. A good father will never do anything purposely to hurt his child. Why is that important? It's important because a lot of people blame God or don't know why God doesn't do something for them or why God hurts them. And, and the basis of it largely is the way they relate to their earthly father. Because remember, we learn everything by association, don't we? So we assume that if our earthly father was not perfect, our heavenly father must be a little bit like him. And what we want to do is, you may not understand what God is doing. You may feel like God is not moving the way you want him to move. But understand this, that God will never purposely do anything to hurt you. What God is trying to do is he's trying to shape you, not hurt you. So you want them to understand this, because in salvation, when a person gets saved, they're typically pretty excited. They're pretty positive, right? Hey, I'm saved. It's got my sins forgiven. This is cool. I'm going to heaven. Then the battle begins. You know, maybe not that day, but how do I live out this Christian life? Okay, so here's the big truth. If you look at it, there's two families here. There's Adam's family. That's not the old TV show, <laughs> though we kind of act like them sometimes, right? Adam's family. So what happened? There was a guy named Adam. God created Adam. And what did Adam do? Adam sinned. Adam became really the reason that, in part, why we act the way we act. Because we're sinners by birth, right? We're not perfect. Nobody has a perfect kid. Okay? If you think you do, just wait. Okay? We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. We have a sinful nature. And third, you should be writing this in your column. This is going to be good. You're going to use this. That's what I'm talking about. Build your theological library right here. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. And we're sinners by choice. That's Adam's family. When we enter into God's family, we enter into a family where the head of that household is Jesus. Now... Our sins are what? Forgiven. We take on his righteousness. See, nobody has righteousness of their own. It's given to us. So we have the righteousness of God. Nobody is sinless. But because of the sinless one, Jesus, our sins are not held against us. So when I come into faith in Christ, I'm called a saint. Now, for some of you Catholic background, this is gonna, you're going to struggle a little bit here. Okay, We're called saints not because we're always saintly. We're called saints not because we perform three miracles and declared by the church we're saints. We're called because that means it's really the root word is holy. We've been set apart. You've been set apart by God, and you're looked at by God as being holy. So when you read the New Testament, sometimes you read like in Colossians, it says, to the saints who are at Colossae. He's just talking about the believers. Now, we don't usually use that term. It doesn't really work in our culture very well to say 
hello, St. Ted. Of course, we would never do that with Ted, you know, but, right? Amen, brother? All right. Nor would we do it with me. Okay? But we have to understand the theological basis of this. Now, let me give you a little bit. Remember that mercy seat on the, on the Ark of the Covenant? Okay, down below, underneath, in the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments. The priest would put blood on the mercy seat, seven, sprinkle seven times on the mercy seat. When God would look down on the mercy seat, he would see the blood, therefore the law was not held accountable against man. So God always looks at you through the blood. Never looks at you directly through the law. Because the law condemns. See, no one was ever saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. By the time you learn the Ten Commandments, you've already broken a couple of them. Right? The law, the Bible says in the book of Romans, is like a mirror. When I look into the law, I go, oh, dang, I'm guilty. Paul said this in Romans 7, had the law not said, thou shalt not covet, I wouldn't know what coveting was. When the law said that, I go, oh, I've been doing that for a while. So all the Ten Commandments were made to do was to show me that I was not qualified and, and what God showed through that whole process was what qualified you was the mercy of God. See, everyone, Old Testament, New Testament, always saved the same way, by the mercy of God. The mercy of God. It's just God's mercy on you. Anybody here so good, to get in, good enough to get into heaven? No. Well, I'm better than that guy. Well, you may be, but you're still going to hell if you don't know Jesus. It's the mercy of God. And the blood of Christ, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. So you enter into this family by a birth. Everybody here has a birthday. You were there when it happened. Right? Okay, you also have a spiritual birthday. Now, you may not be able to tell me exactly the day and time that that happened, but you know what hap if you know what happened, that's what's significant. But you had a birthday physically where you were born into this world. You also have a birthday when you're born spiritually into the kingdom of God. That's your spiritual birthday. That new birth puts you into a new family. You were adopted in to God's family. You were given a new name. You were given a new inheritance. You were given a new nature because the old nature wasn't working, right? If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature, you see? So there's a transformation that happens. When the Holy Spirit of God enters you at salvation, what he does is he makes you new. He gives you a gift of eternal life, but he also transforms your nature and begins that process whereby you become more and more like Jesus Christ. So uh, go over to page three, uh, top of the page where it says, we do not lose our physical nature at the time of the spiritual birth. We now have two natures. We have an old nature and a new nature, and that's what happens to us. They war. You ever felt that warring going on? I want to do right, but I don't. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, you know, sometimes I, I want to do right, but I don't. I find a new nature inside of me doing, you know, warring against the, you know, the members of my, my body. What's going on here? And then he says, you know, O wretched man, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Chapter 8, verse 1 says this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you ever feel condemned, it does not come from God if you're a Christian. You're either condemning yourself or somebody else is condemning you, but it does not come from God. There is therefore no, oh no, it doesn't say that. There is therefore a little condemnation from God. No condemnation from God. 
For the law of the Spirit has set us free from the law of death. What's the law of death? Ten Commandments. The law says you break them, you're dead. What happens is salvation, the Spirit of God, brings life to you, and it, it annuls the law of death, and now you operate not under the law of, of, the, of death, but under the law of life, the Spirit of God who gives life. That's why it says, if you keep following Romans chapter 8 in, it says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall things present or things to come? No. How about angels, principalities? No. Shall life, shall death? No. Nothing shall ever separate you from the love of God. Why? Because you operate on a new law. You're now a child of God. You're not in Adam's family anymore. You're in God's family. Okay? Can we ever lose our salvation? You never earned it. You never earned it. You didn't earn it by good behavior. You can't lose it by bad. Make sense? It doesn't? You didn't earn it by good behavior. You're not going to lose it by bad behavior. What happens in God's kingdom is when we are adopted in, the rules that, that God operates on, if you look at, at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, when we're adopted into the family of God, here was, here's how adoption worked in the first century when Paul referred to. You got a new name. You never could go back to your biological family. You got a new inheritance. You were fully qualified as a son of God. Now think about that. You're brought into a family. See, people that, that believe you can lose your salvation, they operate on works. If I'm bad, I'm, then I'm going to go. Even Paul addresses this. You know, it says, um, if we deny him, he will not deny us because he will not deny himself. You say, oh, I don't believe anymore. I don't believe in that anymore. Well, you're probably never saved in the first place. Because, see, if you've been transformed by the Spirit of God, you've been given a new nature. You say, well, what if I deny him? Well, he won't deny you. Now, if you be without chastisement, in other words, here's what Hebrews says, if you be without chastisement, you'd be an illegitimate son. In other words, if you don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, what it's pointing to is you never met him in the first place. Yeah, Rich. Yeah, so here's what happens. When we're lost, we're natural. Write this down. This is good. Okay? The natural man is a lost man. Natural man is a lost man. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. He does what comes naturally. Saved man is a spiritual man. He does what comes supernaturally. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, what is that, 17? Maybe 18, I'm not sure how many verses are in there, but it's the last two verses. The carnal person is a, is a, is a person who's saved, but he's acting like he's not saved. The word carnal means fleshly, act, acting in their own desires. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and following. They do what comes unnaturally. It's a fish. You ever had a fish jump out of an aquarium? Ever had those aquariums? Where we used to have these jumping fish when I was a kid. They'd jump out, and you'd go in there and find a little potato chip on the floor. All right? 
He didn't, you know what? He could not thrive in that environment without water. The Christian who knows God and tries to thrive back in the world is like that fish that jumps out of that water. They just dry up, okay? Because uh, they're not made for that. And so a carnal Christian is a, is a person, and when you read it there in, in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, you know, carnal people act like this. They get easily offended. They fight among each other. You know, they don't walk in the spirit. They do all this other kind of stuff. They're doing what comes unnaturally. And always is there is this pounding in their heart and this, I need to do what's right, but I don't want to because I, wa- I love the world. But eventually they, go, they come back to repentance. Not necessarily. A carnal person can die a carnal person. Okay? Here's a, uh, remember I, we're starting the book of Genesis as a study. Every major doctrine in the Word of God is introduced in the book of Genesis, especially in the first 15 chapters. Lot is an example of a carnal Christian. Lot did not want to leave Sodom. The angels had to force him out of Sodom. That's a carnal person, but the angels were not going to let him stay in Sodom because Sodom was a picture of the judgment of God falling, right? But he had to be for they literally had to drag Lot out of town. That's going to be a carnal Christian at the rapture. Literally being drugged out of town. Enoch was a picture of a, a man who walked with God. He was a raptured saint. Genesis chapter five. See, it's all laid out there for you. Okay. Let me let me keep moving here. Uh, by the way, study this stuff. Uh, if you haven't done the lesson yet. You really need to, to keep up with all these things and keep it rolling, okay? Okay, um, if you go to page four, is there anything that we can do to lose our salvation? Kind of address that Romans 8 section there. Um, a lot of times what happens is we let our defenses down. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, top of page 5. Our security is the helmet of our salvation in spiritual warfare. Security gives us the ability to live without fear. Security motivates us to godliness. And Paul describes living without the security of salvation as a yoke of slavery. Okay? What happens is sometimes people try to steal our joy, the joy of our salvation. They don't steal our salvation. They steal the joy of our salvation. So we're miserable. The most unhappy person in the world is not a lost person. The most unhappy person in the world is a Christian who's trying to live like the world. Miserable. Oh, my gosh. You know, they just think, how did I get into this mess? I want to go back. I go to. I go try to do what I used to do, and I'm not having fun anymore. I don't get it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, basic questions. This is really good to go over with your disciple. Uh, you know. Wh- you know. Will I sin if I've trusted Christ as Savior? What's the answer? Yes. Yeah, you will, because you still have an old nature. How does How does sin affect my relationship with my father? Well, God doesn't kick us out of the family when we sin. He convicts us of sin because he wants to bring us back in. He doesn't condemn us. The idea is, I feel bad about doing that. I need to quit doing that, okay? If you'd like to receive Christ, he wants to hear from your heart. Here's a sample of prayer. So what we do, don't assume when you're discipling someone that they know Christ. Go ahead and say, you know, can you tell me when that happened to you? Or would you like to pray this prayer just to, to be certain? And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, gee, I've never done anything like that. You thought you had a faithful person, but what you had was you had a person who was well indoctrinated in the right terminology. 
They could speak the right words, but they'd never been transformed on the inside. So I always just, when I disciple someone, I just kind of assume that I better go ahead and plan the salvation story for them because I don't want them to be deceived into thinking they really know God. And then we just went through basically this whole deal, and they're going, I'm good. I'm in good shape. And for those of you who are in the last course on evangelism, I mean, that's going to help you a little bit more in, in trying to articulate some of that. But this is really a key, a really a key. Um, now, let me give you a little hint here, and then I'm going to have Tammy come, and we're going to do uh, something fun. Right? Are you still doing that? Okay. So go to page 7. Go to page 7, page 7 through 9. There are questions here. There's like a little study, right? Can I give you a little hint? There are no trick questions. All the answers are in the book. Look at the first one. Okay, there are two spiritual families. What are they? Adam's family, God's family. So when you, when you, what you're really trying to do is get that person to reinforce what they've already studied. You can tell them, hey, the answers are up here. I don't care if you go up and look. You just turn your pages and look and fill in the answers. Because what we're doing is we're learning by repetition. We want to go back over it and go back over it and go back over it so it sinks in. There's also, um, at the end, you'll notice there's some key memory verses. It's not a bad idea to ask them to memorize at least one key memory verse. And then kind of test them on it. Like that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We're saved by grace through faith, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. See, if you were saved by being good, then you'd have reason to boast. But you're not. You're saved by grace through faith. Just all about following him. Okay? Questions? Any thoughts here before we go? Okay, so you got the syllabus. What you're going to do is you're going to go home and you're going to read through this lesson, look up the scriptures, uh, write. If you have questions as you go through this, write them down. Um, you're a little bit behind if you haven't already started, so go ahead and just plow through, and you should, I think, by next week you should be through lesson three. Is that correct on the syllabus? Is that right? Yeah? Okay. So it should be lesson three. So, you know, turn off the TV for a couple hours and you can get it all done. You can literally get probably those three lessons done in two hours. Okay? Don't try to rush through it and see how fast you can get done. Oh, he said two hours. I think I can do it in an hour. No, learn it, take time, and then just methodically work through this as you go. Tammy, you want to come up here? You're good tonight. Good job, right? Good stuff. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do a couple things. One, I need to make a uh, public announcement here. As many of you know, Saturday is the... All you females know that. That means I need you males here. We need some men here to help us. We are um, over our registration. We had anticipated 600 women. We probably have 50 on the waiting list, so we're at 650 now. Uh, we'll probably be at 700. So we're, we just don't know what we're going to do here. We need you men here to help us. And, um, yes, you look, need to look nice. So uh, maybe like all black or something. Rich, that's a good idea. So if you can help us, if you will see Brittany. Brittany right here, pretty little lady right here. See her on the way out and give her your name and number. Um, we have a meeting tomorrow night at 6.30 here for anyone helping. We really need you here. 6.30, we'll be outside here. We're going to go through all the logistics.
Guys, this is an incredible opportunity for our church. We've just met a new friend that actually heard about the conference, right? And you're here now at School of Ministry, and um, so God's doing amazing things. We really want you guys to all help with this. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing uh-huh, day. Okay, couple of that was really good, babe. How many of you know already who it is you think you want to disciple? Show me your hands. Awesome, because you know the idea is to what reproduce ourselves. So everything you learn, you're going to pour into somebody else. And that's what the whole idea of discipleship is. So what I want us to do um, right now is, before you leave, and I'm going to close this in prayers, so don't slip out, is I want you to find some maybe someone you've not shared with before, and all you men who aren't comfortable and getting up and moving around because you're lazy, I want you to get up and move to someone you don't know. I want you to share this. Everybody listen up. Where you were born, if you feel comfortable, when you were born. You know, some of you may not want anybody else to know that. Where and when you were born physically and when and where you were born spiritually okay where and when you were born now some of you we've said before if you were in the evangelism class before you might go you know I, I really don't know the exact day I just want to know when did your life change when did you realize that you needed to get off the throne because it was already taken you know the throne is for the king and when you realize in your own life I've been the king of my own life when did that happen in your life? Okay, um, I just have to tell you, I'm just excited. I'm so pumped, and you're right. You did an incredible job, Whitney, on music. Thank you. I mean, the spirit was in this place. We need to welcome the spirit. You know, and and what happened? How many of you just you know? And it's funny. Let me just say this. Sometimes you just think, okay, let's get through the music so I can get to the good stuff. I hope you never think that, because what happens is we move in through that music as we enter into that worship, and sometimes it takes two or three songs to get out of your natural man. So you came in here with your natural man, most of us, unless you had had a time of meditation and worship. So we have to enter into the throne room. We enter into his presence. And for us to be ready to, to listen to this kind of stuff and get out of the carnal man, move into the spirit man, you have to allow the spirit to come. And you've got to put your mind right. You've got to break every chain. It could be the chain of a, of a child that you're burdened about. It could be the, cha- the, the, the chain of relationships, of finances. I'm breaking all these chains off because right now I'm stepping in my spirit man to see what you have for me. That makes sense? So learn to start worshiping. Great way you can do this, and I mean, just pull up your your uh, on your phone and download um, a Phil Wickham radio, Beth uh, Kim Walker radio, and just let that music go all the time. Let that music go all the time because that keeps your heart right, your mind right. Does that make sense? So move in that spirit realm. So tonight when I walked in, I'm loving all the stories. I want us to just be buzzing with all the stories. So Mike was just sharing. They had a um, over Christmas time had their neighbors over. And um, it was Korean or um, Chinese. And so anyway, he's sharing with this Chinese man. And just sharing, man, talking about God. And he goes, Tim, I don't know if it was the bonky class or what, but man, this evangelism class. And I'm just talking to this guy and I'm telling him all about Jesus. And the wife, who's in that culture, very quiet and very shy, walked up and said, are you a preacher? Because what happened? I mean, of course he must be a preacher. Who else acts like that? Well, we do. Followers of Jesus do. That's the greatest compliment, right? Unless you don't have good sermons, but you know, right? But but Mike, thank you for sharing, and that just that spoke to my heart. 
You know, we need to be testifying, decreeing, declaring, telling everyone. You know, I couldn't help but think when we were singing that song, Break Every Chain. You know, I know right here, Lisa Haynes, and it was amazing because she used to get in a circle and just get in that circle and pray for one specific thing over. And she said, Tammy, I get in that circle, and it's a hula hoop. She got a hula hoop, and she can get in one. And, you know, <laughs> she got inside her hula hoop, and she said, I just fought the devil. She said, I broke those chains, and it was over something specific, a someone she loves. And she said, I fought the enemy. He could not have him. I visually broke every chain. I spoke every chain. I I released every chain. And this weekend, she saw the manifestation of that. She saw the manifestation this week. Yeah. What are the chains you need broken? What do you want to see God do? There was a really great message Sunday by a great preacher. And I loved what he said because I can receive it in the spirit before I've ever seen it. So right now, receive that child who is wayward. Receive that financial breakthrough that you need. Receive your faith growing. What do you want to do in 2015? See it in your spirit man and then receive it in your natural man. Okay? So the more, and just like, these are stretching things for you guys, all right? All this stuff, having you turn and share, but we're trying to get you bold enough in here where it's safe, so when you get out there, you're comfortable doing it. That makes sense? We're all, it's safe in here. So find someone, here's what you're going to do, okay? You're going to tell them where you were born, right, and when you were born, physically, naturally, and where and when spiritually, and then you are going to bless each other. Okay, our staff has started praying for one another, and I love it. Today I got to pray with Nathan, and it's so cool to just, yeah, I got to pray with him. <laughs> all right, and uh, it's so cool, all right? It's so cool to be able to look at somebody. Now on Sunday you're going to be able to go, hey, how's that going? See, we're building relationships and community. So go to somebody you don't know, okay? And so if I was going to bless, like I'm going to bless Jeremy right now, okay? You doing good? be a lot better with the blessing. Okay. <laughs> you know, Jeremy, you know what, in the name, and this is my blessing to him, and I, and I mean this, he's doing all our t-shirts, and I love this man, and if anybody knows anybody that's hiring, this man needs a job. I'm just going to, I don't know why, I just feel led to say that, seriously does, anything, anything. He will work at a filling station, he will flip burgers, he needs something, and I'm serious, right now I'm serious, because this man has to get a job, that's all I can say on that, okay? But I'm going to bless you and your beautiful wife and your two children. And I bless you in Jesus' name for being a man of character and for being a man of encouragement. There's never been a time that I haven't been around you that I felt the joy of Jesus. I mean that, Jeremy. And um, you are running on hyperspeed all the time, okay? And you have so much joy for Jesus. And so I bless you in the name of Jesus. And thank you for the blessing you've been to me. Amen. Okay? All right. And that's what you want to do to somebody. So affirm them and bless them after you. And then do we need to be dismissed or are we done after that? Um, we need to pick up tables. Okay. So then we'll just, I'll close, I'll give you just, uh, what time is it? You got like five minutes to do that. You have seven minutes to do that and then I'll close this at nine o'clock. Okay? Go. Get up. Move if you need to do that. Go find somebody you don't know. 